ladies and gentlemen, you are about to engage in the ultimate retro nerd experience. The Techno Funk Boy presents the Retro Station. have tuned in to the retro station i really do appreciate you joining us we're going to be joined momentarily by uh by a former professor of mine uh lewis marcos and um uh we'll, we'll, we'll kind of uh we'll, we'll dig more into uh into his work uh here here pretty quickly um but you know naturally naturally when i have a former professor on we're going to talk about some science fiction because uh, let's face it you know um if, if if you have a professor that you are you are still you know friends with and in touch with after after now uh, you know a, a couple of decades after graduating, it's because that professor knows science fiction and and th- and this is just a tip for for any for for any of you out there who, who might be professors and and you are. Uh, and you are wondering, uh, you are wondering why you lose touch with everybody once they graduate. It is almost certainly because you can't carry on a conversation about about uh, Battlestar Galactica or Star Trek, or or, or make you know make analogies to um, to you know some of the, the great works of science fiction. <laughs> um, uh, no, no, it, we're, we're, going to be, we're going to be talking about Babylon 5, and in a lot of ways, this is actually going to be a sequel to last week's episode about Star Trek. Now, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time this episode, don't worry about that. Uh, there, there's, you know, there, this isn't, when I say a sequel, this isn't like, you know... Uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers, where there's a lot of stuff that that very important stuff that went before. No, no. Uh, what, what I mean by that is we're, we're just continuing on the theme of hope in 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 the kind of in the art that we consume and the 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 lack thereof in in um in in our science fiction in particular, but also just in general the lack of hope that we're, we're finding in works today. And this is in a time that where we most need hope. And, um, and you know, it, it, and it's like, it's like all the places that we might turn to, to, to find it, you know, like the, like the meaningful hope that, you know, that, that you are finding in church, you know, that, uh, in, in a lot of places that's, that's been cut off for, for, uh, for many people or to, to different forms of literature, to books, to to TV, to movies, uh, a, a lot of our access. Uh, first of all, our access to movies has been greatly diminished 
But at the same time, the stuff that, that is coming out is distinctly, distinctly without hope. And we've always had that. But there's always been, there's always been a strain in there. And, and this was a strain that was really championed by Tolkien himself of, of really of really focusing in on 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 hope on, on on that this is going to turn out okay that that evil will be vanquished that the darkness will be pushed out and i do think that's something that we we really need more of uh so a couple of weeks ago i did uh i did a, a special a bite-sized episode of the backlog breakdown uh for our uh, our network partners over there um a great podcast i re- really do encourage you to, to check that one out but i did an episode on there about the suicide of a, a video game streamer Reckful. And, um, and, and it was, it, and it, and it actually was less about that and more about, about the hopelessness that we are, we are feeling today. And so this is something that's like, that's like really, that's really kind of bother. It has been bothering me for, lately, uh, for, uh, you know, or, or even for a while. And, um, that, that's. I think that's what the the reason I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hammering on this for two episodes in a row. That and I just finished watching the season, first season of Picard, and it was, um, it, it was it was disappointing in that it was just so, it was just that 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 vision of the future that Gene Roddenberry championed is just gone. It's just gone, and it's and it's. The, the the vision of the future now in in the Star Trek series is just garbage, and uh, you know and and um, artistic people uh, to tell you know t- uh, TV showrunners these these type of people like to say well that this is we're going for more realism and uh, as though that's a virtue, and it's not, and it's not. Um, and and so that's kind of why I wanted to touch on this. So we're um, we're going to we're going to jump into this interview I had with, with Dr. Marcos, and, um, and and I'll give you a heads up. I, I did have to edit this down uh, both 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 for content and time, and most of that has to do with look, he and I have known each other a very long time now. Um, uh, we we did meet at the tail end of the of the twentieth century, and uh, and so we've known each other for a very long time and our conversations kind of go all over the place and and I did want to uh, uh, want to keep like the the um, the the focus a little tighter for this episode um, I, I did upload uh, uh, and I don't know how long we're gonna keep it there but on on our patreon page patreon.com slash technofungboy put the entire it's like an hour and a half uh, conversation we go all over the place in that one but but we did we did cut it down a little bit um to be to be a bit more focused and, and um and to fit within our time constraints here uh and so uh if you if you are interested in the in the full-blown conversation uh and all the very 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 many tangents please do check that out on patreon um but um we, we we dive right into Babylon Five. So just to introduce this real quick, um, this was you know pretty revolutionary in its time, and and I would still say it's revolutionary. Now this started in, uh, in I think it was ninety three, and 
and the whole point of it was to be a single story, five year tale, you know, and um, the, 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 the show creator, J. Michael Straczynski wrote the entire outline before the first episode was filmed uh, of 105 episodes. I, I think he, he, um, he ended up writing, I think it was something like 92 of them. And it was, and it, it, and it was because he knew the vision It's it, and it's not one of those things. It's not one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, three times a year, the main story is touched on, but everything else is standalone. No, like every episode actually furthers the plot of it. Now we're kind of used to this, but even now, even now the story arcs are conceived season to season, you know, it's like, uh, we, we actually mentioned the, the show lost in, in, uh, in this, uh, in, in upcoming interview. And, um, uh, you know, Lost is like, you know, in the first season, they threw a lot of stuff at the wall that they did not know how to explain. And they tried to figure it out later uh, to varying success. But and that that's a lot of how this stuff is written now, where you might you might like do a story arc for the season and everything might be connected then uh, based on that season. But even now, it is it is utterly revolutionary to sit there and go, OK, this is the story and it's going to take me five years to tell it. Um, but it is uh, it is just an it, it is just a masterpiece of, uh, of of science fiction of storytelling and of 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 the virtue of hope. Uh, it is very very heavily 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 influenced by Lord of the Rings, which um, uh, which is not not a bad thing at all. But um, it it is something that uh, that that I I absolutely absolutely love and um and, and and very much recommend to people um the the first season is it's really kind of setting up the dominoes and it's like if you're like me after the first season you're like okay this is interesting they've gotten some really cool ideas here i'm i'm, I'm kind of digging this um uh but you know okay yeah i mean it's fine and then starting the second season you're like oh that's what they were doing i understand now it's one of those type of shows uh but it is it it, it is really really good and um and so that that's what we're going to chat about for those who haven't seen it um there uh there are uh there are some minor minor spoilers in here um nothing really to do with the main plot but there are some uh some late season uh, late series conversations that we do reference that um that, that are important for uh, for the topic. Uh, now, uh, Dr. Luis Marcos is 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 going to be my guest. Um, he is professor of English at Houston Baptist University, and that is where uh, where I I met him. He um, he has done a lot a lot of work on particularly C.S. Lewis. Um, my personal favorite book of his is uh, "On the Shoulder of Hobbits." Uh, I will will mention that, and that that that's actually um, talking about both Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, the uh, some of his other other works that in, include uh, "Atheism on Trial," uh, "Restoring B Beauty: The Good, the True, and the Beautiful in the Writings of C.S. Lewis," which is actually going to be the, the the next one of his that I read. I haven't uh, I haven't been able to snag that one yet, but um, but actually very much looking forward to that. Um, uh, and uh, and so 
it has some really good stuff out there that I do hope that you will check out. But in the meantime, let's uh, let's jump right into it. And um, uh, for uh, for people who are just joining us for the first time, please do subscribe to the show. Uh, we 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 talk about uh, we uh, we celebrate all the things that that made us nerds here on the show. Um, uh, you can also find us on Discord. Uh, if you just search Techno Funk Boy there, um, as well as YouTube, where we're uh, I'm trying to get up uh, trying to get up videos every uh, every week, but um, have some other projects coming out right now that uh, that uh, are are, uh, are are making me just put a pause on YouTube for just just a, just a couple more weeks, and then we'll be back at it. Um, uh, but uh, if you also go to the Patreon page, besides uh, early episodes. Uh, pre-show conversations you'll get there you also get a, a lot of free music anything that we we at the techno funk boy release goes to patreon first and so uh so you'll be able to, you'll have access to that uh but without further ado let us jump right into the conversation we do appreciate it all right so on the line with me dr lewis marcos i appreciate you joining me Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Paul. I timed that so that you were about to take your sip when uh, when I paused ah. for your reaction. As <laughs> this is... great stuff, I tell you, we can <laughs> see each other, but nobody else can. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, so. Uh, we, um, you know, we actually go, we we actually go way back now because um, you were a very very frequent professor for me uh, in in my college days um, back last century. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, we've we've kept up ever since, and um, you uh, you have uh, just a, a, a number of of really great books out uh, right now. My personal favorite is the uh, On the Shoulders of Hobbits. Great. One, that has um, been the most popular. Oh, is it really? It has been the most popular, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, uh, as, as just a Tolkien fanatic, then, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I try to gobble up everything that you've you've done, especially on Tolkien. But, um, you know, what, 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 do you have, what do you have out now that, that people really should watch funny. out for? I, I, am a, I am definitely a Greek phase now because I just published a book called Ancient Voices, an insider's look at classical Greece. And so I'm listening, you know, at the center would be the Socrates' apology, Pericles' funeral oration, but other things where I'm just trying to hear the voice of ancient Greece and listen to it. And it's part of a trilogy I'm working on. The second part will be classical Rome and the third part will be the early church and looking at Oh, cool. Oh, that sounds great. And that just came out. And then in, 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 I think, November, Classical Academic Press is going to publish a book called The Myth-Made Fact, Reading Greek and Roman Mythology Through Christian Eyes. And you'll oh, recognize yeah. the myth-made fact is, is what Tolkien taught Lewis right. during their famous night walk on Maudlin College uh, about how Christ is the myth, but he's the myth that came true. Yeah. Um, and, and I look at 50 minutes, and then there's a third book from InterVarsity Press, exciting, and it's called... Um, from Plato to Christ, how, Platon, how Platonic thought shaped the Christian faith. They just gave it that new subtitle. How Platonic thought shaped the Christian faith. I was going to say, you had to look that one up. <laughs> I had to look that one up. They, they always change your title. Your favorite, you probably remember this, Paul. Uh, one of my first big books was called From Achilles to Christ, How yeah. Christians Can Read the Pagan Classics. And the original title was From Homer to Christ, but about a month before publication, the publisher called and said, 
We have to change the title. Why do we have to change the title? Because the majority of Americans, when they hear Homer, think Homer Simpson. So <laughs> the reason I wrote that book is so that someday in the future, someone can write a book called From Homer to Christ and someone will know who Homer is. But uh, anyway, it was a good title, but it's pretty funny. I, you know, I didn't think about that, but that was probably a good call. <laughs> I think it was a good call. Pe it people was. would look at the cover. It's like, wait a minute, where is Homer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, there is a book out there called The Gospel According to the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. So, you know, right there. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, um, so yeah, since you're right in the middle of your ancient Greek phase and, you know, you've done so much work, uh, a, a lot of just great stuff on, like, C.S. Lewis and uh, in Tolkien, um, I invited you on to talk about science fiction because why oh, not? I'm always ready to talk about sci-fi. <laughs> But um, I, I, and it's like when when um, when I first took you uh, as a professor, um, I, I think one of the things that we we really bonded on was science fiction in general. Yeah. But like um, stuff like um, uh, Star Trek and uh, especially I say especially Star Trek um, and and that sort of thing and. I emailed you a little bit about this, but we we just did our last episode about hope in Star Trek, and um, whenever whenever I think about hope in literature, first of all, I think about Lord of the Rings because hope is is uh, Tolkien's just paramount virtue. It's just everything is based on hope in his in his work, and it embodies Sam, who's the real hero. Sam is yes. an embodiment of hope, right? I mean, and here here's the best example of hope. It is carrying your pots and pans into Mordor. <laughs> right, exactly. A nice stew. I mean, that 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 really that's hope embodied. Right? <laughs> I, I don't know if I told you this story, and, it, and it's uh, it's not a story from me, but um, uh, I listened to the uh, Tolkien Professor podcast, Corey Olson, and okay. he he's done he's done a lot of work with 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 Tolkien, and um, he had the opportunity to meet Sean Astin, and. Okay. And Who's a believer, right? I believe so. Yeah, he's a believer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he told uh, he told uh, to Sean that you know it's like um, you know he introduced himself and he's like and, and and by the way I I'm I'm full believer that Sam is the hero of Lord of the Rings and apparently Sean Astin thought that he was just kind of pandering to him. He's like, okay, yeah, oh. sure, whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's true. <laughs> and Sam is based on a real person. He he's what they called the Batman. By which I don't mean the superhero. Like in World War One. No, Sam Weiss-Gamgee is Batman. He's, he's, he is Batman, right? <laughs> but a Batman, spelled the same way, M-A-N, was, was like the orderly that, that helped you. Like if you were a, 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 a general or somebody in World War One, you know, just like the old days in Oxford where people came in and like cleaned your room and took care of you. Like you see that in old Brideshead Revisited and stuff. But it, so when Tolkien was a soldier, there was somebody that took care of his daily needs, helped him, was always. And, and he, he says that in one of his letters that he was basing it, not necessarily on that guy, but those people in general. Right. What, oh, that's I fascinating. That? And, you know, it's really funny, though, because, you know, we, we said we're segueing here, but there is a natural movement from Greek mythology to high fantasy to sci-fi. And what I mean by that is that and a lot of mythology, and, and especially Greek tragedy, Aeschylus, Sophocles, Euripides, a lot of time we're using the old myths and legends as a way of dealing with issues that we're dealing with right now. So yeah. even though Antigone, if it happened, happened 700 years before the golden age of Athens, 
Athens is right now struggling with the difference between political expediency and what and, and what piety calls on us to do to bury mm. our brother right and you know we don't have myths anymore then fantasy does that by, or sci-fi does it right by, by just a good example because we both love the next generation you remember the one uh, thing of next generation remember there's actual families on board right mm-hmm. Um, and there's one episode, I don't remember all the details, but there's a, a, a woman uh, who's working uh, for the ship and she goes down to this place and she dies. And it, it turns out to be an accident, right? And she's got a little boy who lives on the ship. And it turns out that the people that live in this planet, it was an accident that she died, are shapeshifters. And so in it, one of the alien shapeshifts to look like the mother of the boy to help him deal with it. And, you know, it's it's this wonderful sci-fi fantasy idea about shapeshift. That's not what it's about. It's about a little boy dealing with the loss of his mother. Right. But the sci-fi setting allows us, just like Greek mythology used to allow us, to deal with that in, in an objective. We can look at it and study it. And I think that that's still what the best sci-fi does, help us deal with issues in our world. Yeah. Right? And remember, Lewis wrote a trilogy of science fiction novels where he does that, Out of the Summer yep. Planet, yep. Paralandra, and that hideous strength is actually also fantasy as well as sci-fi. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and... Um uh, it, 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 that that actually ushers us right into you know what 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 I asked you to come on to talk about was was Babylon Five and the reason I asked you is you introduced me to this series and uh, I just I absolutely fell in love with it this is my favorite science fiction series of all time and um, it is. <laughs> There's a lot of parallels with Lord of the Rings. I I think J. Michael Straczynski was oh, reading yes. Lord of the Rings very heavily when he wrote this. Oh yeah, but um, it it embodies of 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 the science fiction series of of the great science fiction series. It embodies hope and that that human spirit um, as well as Star Trek, if not better. If not better, I mean the only thing close to Babylon Five is. Seasons three, four, five, and six of Next Generation. That's yeah. the only thing that comes close to Babylon Five. Yeah, and that and that is something that oh, and uh, and I mentioned this. I mentioned this last week in the episode, but I also mentioned this in the email to you. Is like I watched the first season of Star Trek Discovery and I watched Picard, and the Discovery had a really really cool plot. Picard was fine. It was fine, um, but it, they were so it was. It was a vision of the future that is as bad, if not ten times worse, than us. And it's like, and it's like, what what happened here? You know, it's yeah. like, and it's like, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't you know subscribe to all the beliefs of Gene Roddenberry, but he was trying to show us a future to give us hope, to give us encouragement, to say this is what we can do together. This is what we can accomplish, and. Oh my goodness! They just threw that in the garbage. <laughs> and yeah. it is weird. I just finally watched on HBO Watchmen. Have you seen that? Uh, not that, not the series. Yeah, there's some good to it, but again, there's not much hope there. I mean, it, it, it's I, I, I don't, I don't, you know. I mean, and 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 again, Lord of the Rings is full of death and sorrow, but there's a great line. It comes from the appendix about um, about um, uh, Aragorn and Arwen. When, when, when Aragorn is on his deathbed and Arwen's like, no, no, no. And Aragorn says to her, in sorrow we must go, but not in despair. 
Wow, that's great. And that's what we're missing, right? That we, we can accept sorrow, but not despair. There is still hope. And, and he says to her, don't give in to despair. He says, shall we who survive the ring and survive the shadow, shall we give in to despair, right? And basically he says, you know, that, that you know, because, you, you know, in, in Tolkien, you really have to read the whole thing. In Tolkien, death is actually God's gift to man. It's sort of strange. Yeah. Because right. the elves will forever be attached to this world and will never escape it. And what he said, what he says to Arwen is that we will not be forever bound to this cycles, cycles of this world. You know, we will be released, and beyond that is more than memory. He says, which is so beautiful, and uh, that that we've lost. And again, remember the three theological virtues are faith hope and love. And I think we more or less understand faith and love, but we've given up on hope. And remember, it was the Christians whose eyes were fixed on heaven that got rid of the gladiators, that got rid of infanticide, that built the hospitals, that built the orphanages. It's the people whose eyes are fixed on heaven with a true understanding of hope that make this world a better place. Hmm. You know, what? what I mean, one of the, the famous lines from the opening monologues to to the Babylon five seasons is that this place is our last best hope. And uh, that, that becomes more and more clear as the series goes on because Babylon five is built as a place of peace. It's a place uh, where all of the alien races can come together and, uh, and negotiate and to understand each other and, and to, to to talk through their differences, and it is it it is the result of you know the uh, this uh, uh, you know this devastating war that um, uh, you know kind of the end result is like we can't do this again. We we've got right. we've got to understand each other, and this is why they built this place. And it's not a military base. It is it is right. a it is a place for diplomacy, and um, when uh, when they even put. Um, the the captain uh, Sheridan in uh, starting in season two, right? You know, there, there's a lot of raised eyebrows at that. He's like, wait a minute, this guy's a military guy. Right. He's not a diplomat. You know, why 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 are the humans doing this to us? You know, right. um, but uh, but it 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 is a place that is because it's kind of in the middle of everything. It it's able to hold out against you know right. using terms like lord from lord of the rings the coming shadow right. which which is literal in the in, yeah, in literal, yeah, literal shadows that look right. like spiders yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> but but they you know they end up being the force fighting pretty much solo yeah. um uh you know with without the help of earth without the help of most of the of most of the Even earth races. is going bad you know that anybody right. can be taken over the night watch i'm waiting for them to take over you know yeah and, um, and what's amazing about it is that you know from a biblical point of view the point of babylon 5 is to try to help undo the curse of babel <laughs> mm. to get us to communicate again uh and and uh, yeah, and it's it's wonderful. And I'll just say now because you know, Paul, you and I talk about this a lot. One of the reasons why Babylon Five is probably the best sci-fi show of all time is because it has two incredible female characters who are feminine, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's got Delenn, who is you know a, kind of almost a mystic sort of. And what's amazing is the the head of the not security, but the head of the fighters is a woman. Okay. Um, 
What's her name? Uh, Ivanova. 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 Mm-hmm. But she is very feminine. Like she, 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 she. Her, her, her demons that she's fighting with are very feminine ones and very believable ones. And there's another wonderful character named Lita. Lita Alexander. Lita. Uh, um, yeah, I think. A while. Yeah, I think it's Alexander. Yeah. You know what I'm talking. But she, but she's a she's a, a mind reader. But she's also, in a sense, a kind of an empath, and 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 really, um, what should we call it? Uh, Next generation was the best when the female characters were the Doctor Beverly Crusher and the um, counselor Deanna Troy. Again, there were two female characters that were quote strong females, but they were both very feminine. They weren't in denial of their femininity. Their femininity made them stronger. Yeah, and that's why you know, that's why. Um, a deep, uh, that's why um, uh, Next Generation at its best and Babylon 5, it's strength. And I'll just tell you that eventually there, there's a romance between this character named Delan and Sheridan. And I think it's the best male-female uh, relationship I've seen almost in TV, not just sci-fi. Yeah, I agree. A sort of mature relationship where the man and woman complement each other and help each other. And it's so beautifully done. Right. And I think it's better than like a regular drama. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it me. totally is. It totally is. And it's done so well. Wonderful actress who, who, by the way, ended up being in Lost later on, if you're a fan of Lost, but she was the French woman in Lost. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was I was a fan of Lost for the first yeah, season, yeah. and then it just kind of yeah. kept getting more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think it's crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and like, I mean, if... If, if if anybody doubts that this that this is an admiral thing, you know, watch Babylon Five and the character of Delenn. And if you, I mean, if if you come back and it's like, oh, you know, she's she's feminine, therefore weak. It's like you didn't watch the show. She's amazing. She's one of the best characters I've ever seen on screen. No, no you're right, and and and, and it's just it's just beautiful. Every, everything about her and and the class and and. You know how again how she compliments Sharon. The two of them together are just an amazing team. Yeah, um, uh, and I think I think the moment that um, uh, again not giving away any of the in, any of the the you know the individual plot points or anything, but with every with every epic there must be a descent into hell. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yes, that's the thing, and this happens here. Yeah, it, it happens on the show, um, and uh, and when there when there is after this point a reuniting, and it's it's reuniting amongst everybody who's seeing it, and they get overcome by the reuniting of these two characters and what it represents, and it is like uh, goodness, even thinking about it, I. I get overcome by it. It's one of my favorite moments of the show. Yeah. And it's just, it fills you with that, that just enthusiasm. And you're just like, yes, we could do this. This, this is possible. And yeah. that's the kind of feeling that Babylon five, uh, and, and I would say, you know, good fantasy and science fiction in, in this tradition, in the tradition of, of Lord of the Rings and stuff that, um, really want to, really want to bring out hope as a virtue. Uh, I don't know if it's you remember, Paul, if, if I remember right, didn't you do a paper for me on Prometheus Unbound by Shelley? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I can't remember exactly, but one of the things, even though Shelley's kind of crazy and from a Christian point of view, but he understands it's when the male principle of Prometheus joins together with the female principle called Asia. She's also, in a sense, Aphrodite, but when they come together, the power of that dethrones the tyrant named Demogorgon and, and, and brings brings in a real utopia. And 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 the sci-fi is just I don't I don't know. Uh 
there are new ideas out there, but it, it's, I guess it's a new worldview. It's a new paradigm that just, I mean, very, very odd. And it, right. it, it is disturbing. I, I, I haven't seen the new, the new uh, Star Treks, but they're, they're dark, dark, dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I mentioned this last week that, um, Discovery felt much more like uh, like like uh, like a like a, a side plot on Battlestar Galactica, which uh, the, the the newer version of which I loved I, yeah. as a story. I loved it, you know, but man, it was depressing. <laughs> you know, it kind of uh, spills over, and and this was um, uh, Doug Wilson wrote just this incredible essay on on what was really wrong with Game of Thrones. And it wasn't the violence or nudity. Right. Um, it was, it, it was the just um, nihilism of it. Yeah. And that, and, and that's, and I, I do think that's that's the kind of attitude that that spills over, that has spilled over into um, uh, into the Star Trek series and and so many other series. And when we when we imbibe this stuff, and and then. <laughs> And then we have the added uh, the added issues of all the unrest in the country, and then we have the added issues of COVID nineteen, you know, trapping us all indoors where we're not interacting with people, and I, it, it's like where where are people looking looking for hope now? Because yeah. um, the television is telling us there's none. The tele- television is telling us there's, it, that life is meaningless. Yeah, you know, uh, and there's this weird mania. Like, for instance, go back a little ways with, with 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 education, with public education. I really think they had this idea that if they could just remove every ounce of religion and Christianity from the classroom, suddenly it would be utopia. Yeah. Once they do that, it's destroyed. I really think they actually believe that. Like, if we can tear down everything, we can tear down our whole past. Everything will suddenly be perfect, but everything will actually be destroyed. When, when, when we have when we have this world that is just completely now devoid of grace. Yeah. Without grace, you can't have hope because without grace, then somebody is going to find that tweet that you tweeted yeah. ten years ago, and your life is now over, even yeah. if you disagree with the tweet. You it's know, if not, I mean, if there's not grace, then there is despair. There, and, 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 and it, it reminds me of Jesus's phrase that we strain out a gnat, but we swallow a camel. Yeah. And, you know, a good example of that 10 years ago, it's gotten worse now, would be the public school system where, you know, let's just give out Ritalin like candy to these kids. Let them, let's get them. All, you know, they don't even care. But God forbid your, your daughter goes to school and has a Tylenol that she hasn't gotten a note for. They might throw her out of the school. This, this happens to people. It's like it, it, there's kind of a, a madness here. That, that that's twisted back and forth. Like uh, I, uh, I think I mentioned this to the uh, this to you earlier, but like uh, probably my favorite Vonnegut quote is um, is when did the when did the future stop being a promise and start being a threat? Yes. And that that you know that that first of all has has really. Um, you know that that kind of attitude has really taken over our society as a whole. But that that has that has infiltrated um, that our vision of the future. Right. Is that it's uh, it's just more of this, guys. It's it's yeah, yeah. It's going to be just as bad. You know. We're all going to die. I never. I, I wish I could remember, but it was something I saw on the BBC a while ago. Uh, you know, Master, not Master Theater, but BBC, uh, a multi-part thing about these aliens that are invading 
and they like kidnap people and the people are all hooked up by uh, to, to, to tubes and they're taking out their fluids to live or something like that and at the end they try everything to destroy it they, they use a nuclear weapon and nothing works and at the end of the show we lose <laughs> you nice. lost. thank you folks no more go home okay we're out of here that's it um no hope it's just it's kind of weird because you know basically from a christian point of view now the biggest problem with the utopianism of a gene roddenberry is a um that they've denied original sin and believe that man is by nature good i mean from a christian point of view that's a problem right but now it's almost like we've gone to the other extreme a kind of depravity that that it's not really Christian because it, it, we've lost the Imago Dei. There's no image of God. There's no sense of us being made in God's image. That there's no grace. There's no redemption. There's no God loves us enough that He dies in our place. So it's 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 it, 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 it is original sin, but a misunderstanding of original sin. Right. <laughs> we've gone from one extreme to another. In other words, we we you know again we're made in God's image, but we're fallen and depraved. If the old sci-fi maybe moved a little bit too much away from total depravity towards innate goodness right we've gone to the other extreme such a darkness that we're incapable of of anything i mean we again we've lost the imago day we've lost the image of god and maybe that's why we've got all these robot things like ex machina which is an excellent movie but you know with a very downbeat ending uh that that that, that we're, we've lost so to speak and again there is no hope we can't change so we'll let the robots take over or something <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Well, that and that's uh, and that is one of uh, I mean, just one of the um, the. Uh, I, I, it reminds me of that the scene in in in, in the last episode of Babylon Five, where um, it's it's far in the future and uh, oh, yes. people are trying to uh, trying to downplay Sheridan's role and everything. And uh, they're they're like, well, no, you know, it was just it was it was it was a it was a it was a force of a time or of a people of a group of a thing, and um, uh, Delin, who's still alive, because the he's uh, like two hundred, three hundred years old, right? Yeah. yeah, the Minbari live forever, uh, yeah. not forever, but they're they're the elves. They're for for those of you watching it that expect Lord of the Rings and the Minbari are the elves. <laughs> Yeah, they are the elves. They are the elves. It's true. Uh, but uh, but she shows up at the studio and stares them down. Oh, I love that moment. It is. It's a great scene. It has nothing to do with the main plot. It it, it the whole yeah. point of the episode is showing the effect of what happened here to future generations. And, and part of that episode is we have another whatever nuclear Armageddon, and we go back to to you know no technology or whatnot, and suddenly it is the monks again who are preserving culture. But that that was one. Of the scenes too, trying to bring it back, sort of like that Canticle for Leibowitz novel. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like that. Uh, and again, Straczynski, who's an atheist, understands this. You know, yeah. you know, if I remember, Paul, I think you're the one that showed me that Straczynski wrote that amazing comic book after 9/11, where Spider-Man, oh, the Spider-Man comic, yeah. Even, even I can't remember if you liked or did not like the fact that even Doctor Doom was had, had a tear in his eye. Oh, I loved it. Um, our loved our, that. our so. friend Daniel hated that. That's right. That's what it was. Because <laughs> our friend Daniel is Doctor Doom. If he had not been a Christian, he would have been Doctor Doom. Um, by the way, uh, we'll just throw this in. It means nothing to people. But if 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 Daniel ever changes, that's the end of the world. Because he's been exact. <laughs> he does. He looks the same. He's exact. Nothing changes. So that when he if he changes, that'll be a sign of the Armageddon. Oh man. <laughs> um, I talk. You know, in in. 
Straczynski had one of the most wonderful understandings of grace. And uh, that episode, um, what was it, Slouching Through Gomorrah? Oh, yeah. Like yes. Gethsemane, Slouching Through Gethsemane. That's what yes, it was. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. I was just talking about that with someone the other day. That is yeah. so powerful. And and this is this is like, this is... Um, Gosh, this this is really is a concept that we need today, we because do. there's this there's this character who, uh, base, basically what they do what they do with criminals in the Babylon Five world is they they erase your personality, and then give you a new one, and um, and they just they just and then they send you off somewhere where people don't know who you are, um, but uh, there's this monk who's uh, who's played by. Um, uh, oh yes, by 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 Wormtongue. Yeah, the Wormtongue uh, guy, right? Yeah, from Wormtongue um, for Lord of the Rings. He's so Rad good. Ride Ride Darif. Um, and he, yeah, um, and and he starts he starts figuring out that he was he was this like serial killer, yeah. but he had his mind erased, and. Um, he uh, he goes to he goes to the leader of his order, and he's a monk. He, uh, and so he goes to the leader of his order and starts talking about the need for forgiveness and um, and the need to repent. And the uh, the, the the head monk t- talks to him. He's like, you know, um, just you know, go to God. He uh, he will forgive you. And he says, what what if I don't? But what if I don't know what my sins were? so that I could repent of him. And he said, he just tells him, he's like, God knows. And I'm telling you, it's like, you know, I'm thinking about that, especially in today's day and age where, you know, where, where we're getting, where we're getting people dragged out into the Twitter street and not the literal street, but on Twitter for, you know, stuff they did in a past career. That conversation cannot happen today. Not, yeah. Uh, not not it not in our in, in our current state and that you know that you, you can try to justify that in any way you want but there there comes a point there there comes a point where uh, you know whether you want to admit it or not you you need grace yeah you know and uh, like if you you know if 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 we have if we have created the society where you know, grace is not possible. And when, when you messed up, that's it. It's over. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can, you can, you can join in with the crowd with the pitchforks, but yeah. there's, there will be a time where the pitchforks come for you, you know, that's, for you. that's true sooner or later. And, um, uh, <sighs> uh, it was just, that it's, it's a ridiculously powerful episode. And no, it, uh, it really is. And then we, and then if you remember the end of it teaches us grace too. Because the, uh, the 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 captain comes to really love this this brother who is a monk, and then at the end of the episode, when 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 it's revealed, you know who he was, this other guy who's just filled with hatred kills him. Yeah, and yeah, and this is this is the family member of one yeah, of his member. victims who's That's come right. for revenge, who's tracked him down and come for revenge. Yeah, and, and just, he you know, kills him. Brutally. He literally crucifies him. Yeah, that's right. He literally crucifies him, and then at the very end, he is put on, on trial, and he's given a mind wipe, and he joins the monks. And then when Sharon, our good captain, sees him, 
he wants to strangle that you know that guy yeah. and it's it's the head monk that says whoa 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 you know yeah <laughs> and again preaches he, about grace again he even said and i forgot the exact line but he yeah. even says to him he's like captain you were just saying something about grace right. weren't it's like oh dang that's a punch in the in the nose it it's was amazing it, it, it's it's the same way christians i don't know if you were part of this group uh paul but the christians who really took uh buffy the vampire slayer to heart as something that actually had religious content even though again neil gaiman not neil gaiman uh, josh whedon is an atheist you're 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 a buffy. I, I did not get into buffy all that much i got into okay. his later stuff oh, his later stuff the, the yeah. serenity and uh, not serenity a uh, firefly yeah well, I, I wrote the book, Finding God in Yes, you wrote it, of course. Yeah, it was a good book. I've got it. The, <laughs> um, the, uh, but, but, but yeah, that, that, you know, sometimes uh, Neil Gaiman, too, sometimes we have to go to him to, to have a real meditation on Christian themes. It's kind of funny and ironic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we've, but you're, and of course, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Orwell saw it, the idea of the hate rally. We need scapegoat. There's a famous French anthropologist called Rene Girard. G-I-R-A-R-D. Uh, and he, luckily people are reading him again because he talks about scapegoating and the way we cast everything and, and uh, rivalry and envy and all of that sort of stuff. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not 100% clear in the book of Genesis, the story of Cain and Abel. But if you read in the New Testament, it's pretty clear that, again, Cain was motivated by envy, bitter yeah. envy against his uh, brother until he just killed him. Uh uh, I think you can. It's, I think it's there in Genesis, but you really have to read Hebrews and other parts of the New Testament explaining how he was burned up with envy, Cain, until he killed his brother Abel. Yeah. Um, and and uh, but that 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 mass, you know, where, where we all jump together and just demonize somebody else, uh, and it's just happening more and more and more and more and more. And uh, I mean, for a while, the one place where you saw it the most was in the whole abortion thing. And to be fair, as an evangelical Christian, there are a lot of pro-lifers who demonize the pro-choicers. I mean, I mean, you know, what I'm saying is, but that polarization, I'm now seeing that everywhere, right? Yes. That kind of, yeah. the, the other people are not just wrong, they're evil. Uh, we're now seeing that in almost every area in, in, a, in a way that's, again, terrifying. And, and again, I, I mean, it's almost like these people now want everything to fall apart so they don't have to make decisions in their life. Paul, you know this. Uh, a lot of times, sometimes super conservatives, we might too quickly quote that that line, if you don't work, you don't eat, and, and use right. it a little bit too much, when you probably know that the context of that in Thessalonians was that a lot of people in Thessalonica thought Christ was going to return soon, so they were just doing nothing. They were letting their lives fall apart. Right, right. Paul's like, you don't work, you don't eat, you continue on, right? Think of the wise and foolish virgins, you know, be prepared. You, you continue to work. You don't sit around and wait for the end of the world. But in a weird way, I see that happening, and, and not so much Christian now, but secular people, are just let's just wait around and let it fall apart around us and then we won't have to do things like find a spouse and like have children and get a life and have a paycheck you know i mean it's it's that sounds funny but i almost yeah. am seeing that it's like we don't want i was gonna i was gonna ask you so we we're 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 in a time where everything is insane and we're stuck inside anyways um is it is is it is it merely that uh, you know like like the science fiction and all is is a reflection of the culture, um, or is it valuable to uh, to 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 watch like 
hopeful things like Lord of the Rings, like uh, like Babylon Five, like uh, you know the the original Star Star Trek Next Generation, that sort of stuff. I think so. I, I think we need to. I, I know it's almost like we need a, a little antidote for a while. Let's go back and watch these again and see what they could do. And 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 from the sort of whatever you know liberal point of view. Um, you know, Babylon, uh, Babylon Five, and they, they were able to deal with real issues. You know, including issues about race and things like. They were able to deal with that, but in a human way and in an ultimately affirming way. Uh, generally speaking. Oh, I see some kids back there. Yeah. Hey. My mother, my daddy, is so busy cooking. She didn't even notice. I need water. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, we got the wisdom coming there. I, I think I might keep that in. I don't know. Maybe just keep it in. That's fun. We, we need a little hope. We need a little hope, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, I'm talking about uh, it, it, is it worthwhile for us to go to, to, to oh, go yeah. intentionally look look for, for these type, uh, you know, these stories that, that fill us with hope? I think so. I mean, we, we need it. We're, we're creatures meant for hope. You know, it is d- b- d- deeply built in, right? And 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 uh, and when, again, we've got. The, and you know, my, my son has been writing a lot. Alex has been writing a lot about mythology as well. And he made a good point to me that in the Pandora's box story, you know, that, that she she lets out all the evil, but at the bottom of the box is hope, right? But my son made a good point that I hadn't thought of before. But you know, again, we're we're in Greek mythology. We we don't have grace yet. It's it's just hope. It's not hope in this. It's not a. It's just hope. But there's nothing more you can do with it, so to speak, in the myth. And in some versions of the myth, the hope has to actually stay in the bottom of the box. Can't be let out, or it'll be destroyed. Um, but like I said, we. And so what I'm saying is, even our best science fiction, even when it's written by atheists, is coming out of a Judeo-Christian worldview and their understanding. That there's hope. They may, they may not believe in grace in the Christian sense of the word, but they understand hope because they've been raised in that, uh, or at least it's in the air. Um, they, they, I mean, again, they forget that the idea that every human being has essential worth and value is a Judeo-Christian idea. It's not there outside of that. Yeah. Like you can't prove that. It's certainly not there in Darwinism, but even the ancient Greeks and Romans at their best don't really understand that because they lack the special revelation to tell us that. Um, So, you know, again, it's like those people that the Enlightenment was a secular movement, but it wouldn't have happened if they weren't all Christians who believe that we have essential worth and value and that, you know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness are somehow things that we should have. Where does that come from? You know, right. So what I'm saying is, you know, the old school uh, sci-fi and fantasy. First of all, all of it's based on Lord of the Rings and 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 uh, and, and maybe Chronicles of Narnia, which are essentially Christian right to their core. Oh yeah, um, can't get away from it. Uh, but in a scary way, we are kind of getting away from it. I guess that's what's scary about it. Yeah, we are getting away from it in a way that we didn't before. It was still there. There was still a seed of truth and a seed of hope. Right. And again, just the idea of grace. And you're right. That, that is scary. There is no grace. One mistake, and you're out. Uh, and that really bothers me. And it, it bothers me when I heard, start to hear ch- churches talking that way. One strike and you're out. Excuse me? Let me give you the best example of this. And it's so terrifying. You and I are both big fans of Doug Wilson. Uh, in his church up there, maybe you know what I'm talking there was a guy who had been, uh, you know, a, a, a predator, you know, they, they, uh, what's the word, a pederasty or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they had been guilty of that. But he had 
gone through therapy and all that sort of stuff. He had changed. A, a woman married him, knowing full well uh, uh, Doug Wilson. Right, yeah. It wasn't a secret. It he, yeah, it wasn't he, a secret. he actually paid his debt to society. He yeah. went through therapy. He all he of did this the stuff. Work. This woman knew it. Doug Wilson and Doug Wilson has that man as a member of his church. But all of the security is there, right? right. Like watching, and all these liberal radicals are attacking him. It's like, what are you? What are you attacking this for? This is a person who's trying to bring the worst kind of offender back into society after again paying his debts to society, confessing, working on it, monitoring. I mean. That's what's terrifying. They don't have grace. And it's, it's like, not a I'm, hospital for sinners. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was, you know, the, was, 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 there, was there a magic line, you know, in Christianity yeah. where you can't be forgiven anymore? You know? Is there something? Is, is there an unforgivable sin other than the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit yeah. uh, that I didn't know about? Shall we add to that list? <laughs> right. Oh, it drives me crazy. Uh, I, when, when you were talking about, like, um, uh, well, I mean, and just just to the theme that hope is is a particularly Christian virtue, is it's always been fascinating to me. The and you know I I love Norse mythology, yeah. but it's always been fascinating with to me that in, in Norse mythology, like you know, like everybody knows, you know, there's there's Ragnarok coming. It's coming, yeah. The gods lose. Yeah. In in, in Norse mythology, it's like. It, you know, talk, talk about it's like talk about your church having no hope. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna worship Odin, but yeah. he's not gonna last much longer. He's gonna yeah, yeah, feel it, you know. <laughs> and, um, uh, but that that's that's been that's so fascinating to me because it, it's like. You know that that's just that's so ingrained in uh, having grown up Christian and all that. It's like, right. you know, hey. We know the ending. God wins. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know, and and that you know, if 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 for no other reason that that is our source of hope, uh, and and there's certainly um, more reasons than that, but for no other reason that that's our source of hope. But you know, coming coming from a mythology where you you know you don't even have that, it's like, well, we might survive the winter, or this winter might kill the gods. <laughs> yeah, know? there we go. They all need to go back and watch Fantasia again, that great ending where you've got night on Bald Mountain and destroying everything. And then suddenly the church bells go off and they start playing Ave Maria. And they've got, you've seen Fantasia, haven't you? Oh, it's been ages. Yeah. It's been ages. And, and you know, down with the, with the candlelight ceremony. I mean, the, there still is hope, you know, out of that despair. But yeah, maybe we, we've given up on hope. I mean, well, first of all, we've, in a way, we've given up on man. But it, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think if I've seen any more recent sci-fi that was more hopeful. Well, like I said, I hate to say it for all its problems, at least the last Star Trek, yeah. uh, Star Wars, uh, has still tried to to keep hope, you know, and it's still the old idea when the, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the pirate finally comes to the good and they all come to the rescue at the end and whatnot. Right. And they're, they can still be moved and all that sort of stuff. Hey, uh, you know, that's, uh, <clears throat> People make fun of me for liking that movie. I do like that movie. I don't like episode eight because it's horrible and everybody knows it. <laughs> and people pretend like they like it for political <laughs> reasons, but no one likes that movie. It's terrible. <laughs> but I liked episode nine because, look, this is what I wanted. I wanted some action scenes and right. I wanted a big hurrah at the end where 
the darkness is pushed back and right. there's big explosions as the good guys win and cheer. And that's what I got. And that's right. that's what and, I wanted. And basically the ending's the same as the original trilogy because you can't have the happy ending until the guy that went bad repents. Yeah. So in the same way that that Anakin repents, so does his son. But but there's still consequences. They die. Okay. There, there's still consequences per se. But but it, it is out of that. There's still a seed that can be appealed to uh, there. Uh, and and um, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever that the girl calls herself uh, Skywalker at the end. But I guess that's needed for the title. That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, uh, I, I know. I, I, we do want to at least have well, you know, a, a sense of hope. Did you see, when was this? This was a while back. Okay, it was, it was about 10 years ago. This mo- uh, independent movie called Ink. Oh, I've heard of that. What, what happens in that one? I haven't seen it. It is, um, well, it's fantasy. It, take, it all takes place in kind of this, this dream reality where this, uh, uh, this creature from that reality comes and steals the soul of this little girl. Okay. Huh. And the good guys in in that in that that universe are uh, realizing that they need to get um, the girl's father involved to help pull her back. But okay. when his uh, when his wife died, he turned to drugs and alcohol and eventually lost all custody of his daughter and he's just become like this horrible bitter man and so it's them trying to kind of bring him back while while you're following the 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 story of this girl um through through this through this dream world and it it is just it's first of all fantastically hopeful and really good film and it uh it throws people off because it's very rated r it's uh not not because of uh nudity or violence really but like the first five words of the movie are all the f word oh the f bomb that's all it takes to get an r rating that's true right you just have two of those um but uh uh, somebody just mentioned to me that you know he found uh help in interstellar uh, not only hopeful, but he, he made the point that ultimately the resolution comes between a love between a father and a daughter. Yeah. That that's what bridges, you know, outer space, whatever. Yeah. And I thought, you know, in a sense, that is there is more hopeful. Uh, we were kind of contrasting that with something like uh, with with Joker. I mean, the the, the most dis, 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 uh, um, terrifying thing about Joker is that it, it turns out that he can't become himself truly until he kills his own mother. That's when he becomes himself. Uh, and, and, it's a real know, twist it's, on, 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 on an Oedipus complex. Yeah, really? Oh, man. It's like, okay, we strike him off, and now it's okay. Everything's fine now. Yeah. But the, uh, woo! Uh, you know, I, man, it's, uh, well, what, what did you think about, about, about this reading? Okay, Joker on one side, um, Dark Knight on the other. Right? We both have a terrifying Joker. We both have... You know, are we heroizing it? But it seems to me that Dark Knight still takes place in a moral universe. Yeah. There's some, you know, there's an attempt, you know, that, that whole thing with the, the two boats where we're, we're oh, doing, a, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out, we're working it. But I just, I, is there a moral universe in the Joker? Have we completely lost the moral universe? That scene, that scene with the two boats is oh, isn't that amazing. Amazing. And when and that, it's, when it's that the, dude, the prisoner, right? It's the, it's the bad prisoner who's like, 
we're, we're blowing up or whatever. Yeah, he, uh, he's like, he's like, you know, give it to me. I'll do what you couldn't yeah. do. And he throws yeah. it out and he goes back to a seat uh, as such a powerful yeah, that's thing. I mean, we're, 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 we are trying to live in a moral universe to understand consequences and things. But I don't know with, with, with the Joker. I just felt like I was out of that world. This is a podcast of tangents. Right oh, yeah. No, this is. Yeah, this is. <laughs> this is going to be. Actually, gonna, what's we, really happening is that both you and I are locked in some kind of a chamber right now in a dystopia. And we're just, you know, yelling out. But we've already been defeated uh, and, and we're, we're lost. And, and Skynet is in control or something. So they they let me they let me uh, they let me you know edit together podcasts and upload them and then they even like take up the numbers like oh another person downloaded it yay <laughs> but no it doesn't go anywhere it's um um it's like uh it, it's like in uh in Slaughterhouse Five. Which is another book of, of just you know <laughs> sheer nihilism, uh, which ironically written from that the same author who I quoted earlier, Vonnegut, yeah, who, who was yeah. talking about you know yeah, when the too. future stopped being a promise. But yeah. um, <laughs> there's a part in the book where they're uh, they're in the um, the alien zoo as the human exhibit, oh, and right. there's a stock ticker, and I think he has like a phone, and he like he like calls and makes trades but th- nothing's traded it's just it's just all the oh, stock ticker right. and, he, and he's calling people he's like oh yeah buy IBM uh, I think I have that right <laughs> yeah. that's right that's right you know like when you lived in the dorm and it's hot or cold and, and you try to you know adjust the, the, the thermostat and what you don't know is that you're just turning a wheel that's turning another wheel and it's not doing anything it just makes you feel good you know yeah so <laughs> Oh goodness! Good Lord, it's amazing stuff. Anyway, that's yeah. great stuff. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and talking about Babylon Five. We did get some. I think we, we, I think we talked about Babylon Five in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I do. Uh, I really do appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. It's always fun and uh, uh, to talk with you. And so, well, here's a good way to end. One one of the things I always quote from Babylon Five is this great scene where Garibaldi, who's the the, the, the head of the general guy. He makes this speech and he says, you know, why is it that when we talk about history, we talk about it in terms of World War One or World War Two or the Hundred Years War? Why does nobody ever talk about the 50 year peace of this? Like we 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 we, we tell we, we tell our time by disasters rather yeah. than telling them by the good times. And I always thought that was a I don't know if you remember that speech by Garibaldi, uh, <laughs> uh, who, by the way, That's looks great. exactly like uh, what Bruce actor, Willis. Uh, yeah, Bruce Willis. Yeah, like he really does. It's really hard to watch the show and not go, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> that's John McClane as head of security. <laughs> that's great. Man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but... My other favorite part of that is when they when they finally get to Earth and like, you know, Earth's been under a media blackout. And um and, and they're on a bus with somebody and they're like, you know, we just got back from the war. He was like, A war? Yeah. Who won? He goes, Well yeah. we did. He's like, Oh great. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I remember that. Well that, actually here here's a better way to end. One one of my very favorite things. I mean it happens towards the end of the series. And uh, Delenn and, and Sheridan, we said, are the, the perfect couple. And, uh, they, you know, they, they, they you know, pretty much survived and all this sort of stuff. And um, um, the, uh, Sher- you know, Sheridan's, or, 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 I think Sheridan says to her, you know, or no, she says to him, you know, it strikes me that we've never walked the entire length of Babylon 5 from end to end. It's five miles or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, 
and and she's and she wants and and, and Sharon says what you mean you mean you mean now today and Delenn says there is only today there is only now and I mean, we, we do need to and really you I know you've heard me say this Paul because it's one of my rants I I have always hated Nike sneakers why because they used as their motto live in the now and I've always held that against Nike because Every Christian should be living by the motto of live in the now. That, that is what they call the eschatological now. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is partly about. We should be living now and not in fear of the future and regret of the past. We should be living now. But what Nike did is turn that into the materialistic consumerist now of I want an Oompa Loompa and I want it now. But really all of us, and especially in a time like this, we do need to live now. What Jesus says. Each day has enough troubles of its own, or the troubles of the day are sufficient for the day. And right. so this too will pass, and we need to live now because God, you know, we pray to God, give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. God gives us the grace day by day. So in this period, Paul, maybe we need to live like the Jews in the wilderness, right? They followed the, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, and whenever it stopped, they set up camp. And how long did they stay there? They didn't know. They lived until it picked up and moved again. Right. So we need to remember that we're, you know, we're sojourners, right? We're, we're, we're resident aliens, as, as, as Paul knew, uh, and, and that we will get through this. And we need to live now and pray for God to give us grace sufficient for the day.